Hey, Farva. Nobody can stay here in the corner. Hey, is any of this sinking in? Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. You're dead. D, 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 dead. What's the name of that restaurant you like with all the goofy shit on the walls and the mozzarella sticks? You mean shenanigans? No. Oh. Oh. Very much shenanigans, right? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of, or this week's edition of 35 Minute Podcast. I am Trace Newport. And I'm Rusty Thomas. Damn it, Matt. But <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, we are coming upon the final week of our Six Degrees of Separation Madness that we have contrived for ourselves to round off our 10th episode of 35 millimeter podcast and we are doing national lampoons vacation our connecting tissue to last week's man of the hunt man of the house is chevy chase that that'd be a great movie like a mashup of man of the house and the hunted (laughs) it's tommy lee jones has to hunt chevy chase while trying to get trying to convince jonathan taylor thomas to be his stepson no, uh, Tommy Lee Jones Train School is the guide school, and they're trying to track down Benicio Totoro, Chevy Chase, and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And then Tommy Lee Jones still gets Farrah Fawcett. That's what that's a movie we need to see. Maybe we could edit together, do do one of those like fan cuts, <laughs> like that somehow get out, get away from fair or get by with fair use. I mean, both these movies are old enough. No, I'm talking about like the the Spider Man. What? No, the Star Wars one. What's that one? Like, there's like a super cut of Star Wars that I believe kind of like takes all six of them and makes one movie out of. Are you kind of talking about the uh, the Marvel TV show cut to where they take the scenes like timeline wise and run it chronologically? chronologically of all the marvel movies together no 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 like it like 1500 people took the star wars movies and made one movie out of it like they worked together on it oh it's it's called the phantom edit so how is that supposed to work do what how does that like i'm not getting with star wars because they're mostly linear in their release like you don't have a lot of overlap linear Linear. linear linear in their release order you don't have a lot of overlap between movies and story wise they like one thing they did was uh pretty much remove jar jar binks they took of out they ex- exposition okay there's several different ones the one i'm referring to is episode one that they edited out like put in deleted scenes and got rid of that and it can go in and doing stupid shit like yippee. So they're massive Star Wars fans that get mad because they're not the fifth one. Now, this was like this was made like a year after Star Wars came or episode one came out. Oh wow, really? Yeah. That early? Damn. And yeah, I just, but I just don't understand like people take all these movies. I think Topher Grace is is like big into fan it doing his own fan edits some of them get thrown on youtube though and nothing and i'm like how does that how does that get around fair use because 
I don't know. Well, I'm sure you've seen the Marvel Supercut where it has every Marvel scene no. added to a long ass, like 45 minute episodes that runs chronologically from the first Avenger to current film release, and they update it as it goes. And so, like, you have scenes happening, like the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2 or Iron Man 1 happening at the same time as you watch it. Uh, like Black Panther, Ant-Man, and like all this crazy ass shit that's going on. 50 hour fan edit. What the fuck? For Marvel? The one I'm looking at, yeah. I think that one includes the Netflix TV shows as well. The fuck? Yeah, again, like I said, how does that stuff not get? They don't charge money for it. That may be it. They're not paying money for it. So I think that's how they get around it. I mean, the mouse isn't going to come after you if you're not hurting their money bag normally. Oh, and this is posted in the main Marvel Reddit. Yeah. So, I mean, they get, I don't know how to get by, but they do. I guess. Well, then. National Lampoon's Vacation. A movie that my uncle adores, loves, and. Oh, this is absolutely a boomer fest of a movie. Like, they love, love this movie. I don't can't tell you how many times my father would bring this movie up either talking about Wally World or other dumb shit that we'll get into was Wally World a real thing no it okay. was filmed at out of six flags okay had me wondering because i was like that's a random guffin never explained worth a shit it's not supposed to we'll get into it but Nash Rampoons, um, I'm sure everybody's relatively familiar with this movie. No, probably not. You don't think so? If, you, if you're older than me, which I'm an older millennial, probably not. I would say that they're more familiar with Christmas Vacation. That's probably the most popular one of the series. Uh-huh. Well, I vaguely remember the only one I've seen clips of was the lost is vacation the vegas vacation one vegas vacation is yeah. there any damn fishing out here i just remember the one where there's like it's the casino and it's like left hand and right hand games like wars the card game they're playing and stuff yeah uh, yeah red paper rock scissors i think was one of them yeah i was gonna do like a watch of all four of these and i i said no you saw this one and you changed your mind quickly afterwards? I read the plot to European Vacation and said no. <laughs> European Vacation and I've seen Vegas Vacation aren't good. They're actually worse than this one. If you didn't, since you, I mean, Tracy's saying he didn't like this one. If, just spoiler alert. Oh, I, I, I didn't. I'm just, I'm just like full on there. Did not like this movie. And I think this is about where I am as a person and where I stand in comedy. Because it reminded me a lot of like the humor that's tied into stuff like the office and the last man on earth to where you have these people that are, you just kind of look at them for me at least looking like, how do you just are so singularly minded like that? Like how is this such a character caricature of a person that this aspect does not like just piss them off. Like this doesn't bother them. Like this, like the characters are almost annoying to me. And this movie hits that a lot of times for me, especially with Clark Griswold. Well, let's get into some back, like just quick background information about this. This was directed by Harold Ramis, 
very popular comedy writer, actor, director of the 80s and 90s. But it started out with SCTV, which stands for Second City TV. It was a Canadian variety show similar to SNL, but it wasn't live. Probably could also consider Kids in the Hall. Yeah, I remember that one. Mad TV. Yes, which I watched quite a bit of Mad TV growing up. This is only his second film he directed. His first was Caddyshack, which was much better than this. Also directed Groundhog Day, which I absolutely love. Uh huh. And I think that's on the list down the road. Yes. Dig, you talked about The Office. He did direct a few episodes of The Office, the American version. Yeah, I think that was just more writing for The Office in general. He was in several movies, most notably Ghostbusters. Uh huh. As he gone. That's what I was thinking. You said it, and you're like, in Ghostbusters, like, is that? So, uh, stripes. Airheads. He had a cameo in Groundhog Day. He did a lot of stuff with Bill Murray, didn't he? Yeah. They were like best friends forever. And then they, because of Groundhog Day, they kind of stopped being friends for a long time. Really? Why? Because Bill Murray's an asshole. You might like his movies. I do. But he is an absolute asshole in real life. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that, any. This was written by John Hughes. I mean, that's a very popular name in movies. Especially for the time that this came out. Yes. This is the 80s guy. Wrote this. I mean, he... And this is like National Lampoon. Uh-huh. He started out with National Lampoon magazine. Uh-huh. This was, like, this was a short story in that magazine. And he just expanded on it. National Lampoon was started by a bunch of Harvard writers and just built from there. Grew popular in the 80s with things like Animal House. This last big movie was Van Wilder. Yeah, which that was very... It has a dog getting jacked off. (laughs) It's a very millennial cult movie, I guess you could say. And then they did some direct-to-DVDs. And then after that, they were just kind of like, I haven't heard anything from them from in forever. Yeah. John Hughes directed very popular movies that most people know of. Ferris Bueller, The Breakfast Club. Hell, I've got a poster right behind me of that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Pretty in Pink, Uncle Buck, The Home Alones. Did he do 16 Candles as well? Yes. Uh, he originated the Brat Pack. Uh-huh. But 90... he... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you're going to think 80s movie, he is synonymous with directors from that time period. Like, he is the director of 80 movies. Director and writer, because he, again, he wrote this. He wrote Christmas Vacation, which is now, like, grown in popularity over the years, I feel. Uh-huh. Then we hit the 90s mostly uh i mean hits and miss like he did baby he did baby's day out which was not good he wrote that i think i vaguely remember that um but he also wrote yeah flubber with robin williams and the 101 dalmatians movie Mm -hmm. with glenn close if you remember that it's not ringing a bell 101 dalmatians Oh, wait, yeah, that, sorry. 
I thought you said something else. I mean, this is a this movie is pure 80s. I'm gonna throw quotations out there. Excellence in the terms of like cast, the studios that released it, the writer, the director, in a sense. As a strong cast, like at the time. Uh-huh. A lot of these names are became more well known over time, as we'll get into. And we are we ready to go into it? Yeah, I'm ready if you are. All right. I was gonna say that WB intro showing up, the old school one. The old one? Because it, it's that you know, because a lot of the sh- you watch this on it, HBO Max? Yes. That does the a lot of the shows now is that they have their HBO or the WB theme is kind of like shown to match the theme of the show movie that you're watching and this one is just the old standard wb on like the field of clouds in a sense like the animaniac entrance oh okay uh i didn't even pay attention to the that whenever it opened i i i guess i was thinking they put the the new one in there like they've done on so many movies Uh uh-huh well we open with the credits rolling over vacation postcards like one, I don't even do they even do those anymore. I haven't been on a trip in forever. You can still get them at rest stops and stuff because I mean they're technically collectors items, but I've haven't been sent a vacation postcard in decades. Well, I've never sent a vacation bo- postcard. I haven't sent a postcard. Now, when I'm with the Berlin, I did buy some of like local landmarks and stuff and give to people like, hey, this is cool. You'd probably enjoy this. I mean, it's kind of nice, like, like kind of cool, because you're seeing like a snapshot of old America travel in this. Yeah, like a sense of like Americana almost. Yeah, that is, at the same time, the music going on is Holiday Road by Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac fame. And when I was listening to this, I was noticing that we don't really get these types of songs anymore. Like, pretty much made for the movie. Yeah. Like, think about uh, this one. that Holiday Road is in all the vacation movies, I believe. Or Kenny Loggins, Mr. Knight for Caddyshack. I'm trying to think. And, you know, my I don't quite have the 80 soundtrack movies as, a, as well like in Down Issue. But my mind, when you say, like, that goes to these... 90s and early 2000 movies to where the soundtrack's better than the actual fucking movie was. Yeah. Like The Crow, Queen of the Down. Yeah, but they didn't have songs commissioned specifically for the movie. A couple of them did. Like there was like one or two single ones that, in fact, in Queen of the Down, there's like four that, and the movie that Jonathan Davis from Porn sings on the vocals, but in the soundtrack, because of record label issues, since it was a different record label than Korn's actual record label, that you have people like David Draymond and Dwayne Static and other artists singing on them on the soundtrack. Yeah, but it's not also not a but it's also not a theme. Yeah. Of, Mortal Kombat. It's well yeah, well yeah that's Mortal a good example. I mean Kenny Lug is really comes to mind when I say this with like Footloose and Caddyshack. I'm all right. No one could give about yeah. me. And then, I mean, like, 
Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say the fucking Breakfast Club. Like, don't yeah. you forget about me? Like, yeah, that, Tears for Fears. Yeah, that that song doesn't exist without that fucking movie. If it does, it's nowhere near as prominent. I believe or Dirty Dancing. I've had the time of my life. I think was made for that movie. Yeah. But I know, like, it seems like post two thousand eight, two thousand nine, you don't get a lot of that anymore. I mean, it's very rare in the 2000s. Like, even think about, like, comedies or anything. Like, there's no there's no song that is tied to that movie that's got that popularity. Like Mortal Kombat, like Footloose, like the ones I've named. True. There was, that, there was that, like, that, like, motion picture soundtrack, the reason to buy the actual soundtrack itself. Armageddon was probably the last prominent one i don't want to miss a thing yeah now that's a fucking huge hit it was oh my god and we can both admit that we probably spent our early high school breakups crying out to i did no i was no not me i was listening to fucking papa roach cut my life into pieces my first major breakup it was fucking that aerosmith song Really? Aerosmith? Man, man, I figured you'd be listening to some fucking metal, dude. That was our song. No, when I got mad, our uh, my breakup song later in life, like, your sister-in-law was down a grin by Power Trip. Man, you really had some depressing music for her. But that one, no, that's an angry song. Hey Breed was a pretty good, like, post 19-year-old breakup songs. But yeah, I mean, you don't have those soundtrack anchoring titular songs anymore. I think that's like a thing of past because now a lot of stuff has its own, in a sense, orchestral written music specifically for the movies we're seeing. So, in the middle of these credits rolling, there's this one of those postcards that just get to me. And it's the the TP Hotel. The fuck? Yeah, you didn't notice that? I guess I didn't pay too much attention to them because it, it was a bunch of like buildings that were set up like TPs. Oh yeah, I remember it now. And I was like, "Holy Christ, America, we're so weird." Because we have, I, I think we're unique in that regard when it comes to tourism. We have a bunch of stupid places to visit. Yeah, and I think part of that. And probably outdated. I, I think part of it, though, is you have to consider is landmass, like just square footage rise. We cover, if you were to compare it, we cover all of Europe and portions of Western Russia. Yeah, but you're not going to have to drive anywhere in Europe to find Barney Smith's Toilet Seat Art Museum, which is an actual thing. Yeah, but you have to drive to, say to this particular place to see this castle here or this place to see this pub that's been here. A castle. A castle. You don't have to drive through Paris, Tennessee to go see a little shitty Eiffel Tower. But you gotta drive somewhere to see a pub that's been open since the 200s. You gotta drive. Okay, again, Tracy, what is what is odd about that? Well, I mean, it's the similar exact way just because give it about 700 years and then it's like, hey, come look at this TP here they swept in and 800 years ago. Go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, the Salt and Pepper Shaker Museum. Oh, God, yeah. You've been there, haven't you? No, I haven't. Oh, 
I'm not that big into salt and pepper shakers. But I mean, there's like a sex museum in Iceland. I mean, there's other random ass. Well, see, that's fucking history, dude. Yeah. We need that. Okay. Have you gone to a modern art museum before? No. Like you go in there and you see a tub of like a pile of fat just kind of slowly melting. It's all modern art, dude. Oh, that's what you mean. I, I'm I'm just talking about like modern. I mean, just the weird places. Like if you go on a road trip that you can stop at, go like Tommy Boy driving down the road, and you come to this off-road dinosaur place. But at the end, it like or one of the. The, like one of the final postcards is New York City, yeah. And I still sometimes have a like a weird feeling seeing the World Trade Center in, in move in movies. Oh, I do too. It's like anything pre not pre nine eleven. I'm like, whoa, wait, yeah, that used to be there. That's right. Yeah, wasn't there a push shortly after like to remove it, like World Trade Center for some movies? Oh yes, after that happened, they removed several movies removed it uh-huh. like because they were usually like establishing shots uh-huh so they just cut those out and they later put them back uh uh-huh. friends the tv show did that yeah and then they brought brought it back they cut them out of like syndication but then they brought them back huh you remember the spider-man teaser trailer i think so like where this helicopter is got some thugs and they're doing a heist. All of a sudden, Spider-Man shows up and webs them in between the World Trade Center towers. I vaguely remember that. You're talking Toby One, right? Yeah. I vaguely remember uh, that. The reason almost everyone got hyped for that fucking movie. That was like one of the like holy shit moments. This is Spider-Man. And they dropped that trailer real quick after that. Oh, yeah. After 9-11. I can imagine. And so we get to our setting, which is classic John Hughes, Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Was it actually shot in Chicago? I think they did a few shots there. They they actually did do, tra- like, the film crew traveled across, like, to a lot of these spots. Oh, wow. So it was, like, vacation itself. Yeah. And it was pretty rough from what i read because you have to film in a desert it's going to be hot as balls Uh uh-huh and we meet clark griswold chevy chase's most popular character he's ever been and this is during his big money chevy time talked about it last time chevy chase one of the top actors of the 80s Mm -hmm. and this is one of the reasons this was a super popular movie. Like I said earlier, it's a this is Boomer's wet dream of a movie. And then we have 90 Chevy, which was totally different. We also meet Russ. His son, Rusty, is played by Anthony Michael Hall. This is one of his very early roles, too. I was going to ask, is this his first John Hughes movie, in a sense? Yes. Okay, because this—I mean—he has a pretty long history of working with John Hughes. Oh, he's—I mean, his that history ended like three years later. Uh, yeah, this was his first, and then the thing, yeah, he was major John Hughes thing. He did Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird Science. The last two did, came out the same year, and because of all that, he didn't want to be typecasted, so he started doing some serious roles like Out of Bounds, 
where he he's this dude that was caught with heroin and he has to clear his name. This came out like a year after Weird Science. So I need to check it out. I need to find it. He he did some things in the nineties, not I mean nothing really prominent, but he did show back up in the two thousands with the main role of the Dead Zone. Did you ever watch that? No. Based off the Stephen King movie or book? No, I never watched it. Where uh, it was okay. I think it's on one of those services now, like free free show services. And he also did movies like Freddy Got Fingered, The Dark Knight. He's the anchor. Okay. In that movie, he was also in Foxcatcher. Okay. Have you seen Foxcatcher? No. Pretty good. Pretty damn good. It's about uh, the Dupont mur- murders. And it has Steve Carell. Huh. And I think Channing Tatum. And recently, he was the dude that coined the phrase, evil dies tonight in Halloween Kills. Like, I heard he, like, that was a pretty big coming back role for him. It was. He was fucking awesome in that in that movie. I loved it. I mean, you haven't seen it yet. Yep. Have you seen the first? Have you seen the new any of the new Halloweens? No. Oh, you need to. They're good. Especially with the last one coming out, like in two, what, two months? I might check him out. Like, this was something I didn't realize. Like, he was the, one of the youngest cast members of SNL when he was on it for a year. Really? Were they just kind of like, hey, we're going to bring this big guy? No, he was super popular. So they were, were like, there's money. Take it. Yeah. And I was doing the math. I was like, he was 17 when he did that show. Shit. <laughs> and, if you look at his stuff that he's done, he looks different in this versus Breakfast Club versus Dark Knight. Yeah. He just looks totally different. And Russ and Clark are meeting with Ed, played by Eugene Levy. A lot of people know who he is now. A lot of people didn't know who he was then. He is also a SCTV alum, as I talked about earlier. And this is where SCTV got, was where a lot of people got their start. I'm going to say a lot of names that you'll recognize. Harold Ramis, John Candy. Might not know who Andrea Martin is, but you'll know who Joe Flattery is. Flatterty. It rings a bell, but I'm not putting a face with it. He's the guy in Happy Gilmore that goes, you suck. Oh, yeah. I know who he is now. Catherine O'Hara, who was the mom in Home Alone, was the mom in Beetlejuice, is what phenomenal in Shits Shits Creek. Moira Rose. <laughs> Which also has Eugene Levy. So I, I guess in a day you just kind of use SCTV as like, and eh, let's just pull a lot of you guys in here. Kind of like how like the early 90s was like the same with SNL. Like, hey, we're going to pull all of you guys and put you in. The- well, they all worked together. They knew each other. They knew the, how to go back and forth with each other. So it made sense. Yeah. Well, another person I didn't mention, uh, Rick Moranis. Mm-hmm. It, the Second City troop, a lot of these people were Canadian. There was a Toronto troop. That's where they all met. That's where they became friends. It's kind of like dudes from Kids in the Hall. They started working. They, they knew each other. They got to work. They really supportive of each other and their projects. Eugene Levy, best known for to millennials, probably is American Pie as the dad. And then Shits Creek. Yes. Which I think... He's probably now popular, more popular for his Shit's Creek role than he was for the dad in American Pie. I don't know, man. That fuck. 
So if you if anyone remembers American Pie, like our generation does, but you find somebody ten years younger than us, and they like what's American Pie? But our generation, that generation, and our parents' generation know Shit's Creek. Like that's a very broad generational appeal TV show. So I think that's probably now his most popular work is Shit's Creek. And I I personally liked him in uh, the movie Stay Tuned. I don't think I've seen that. It's about a couple who go, have to go through TV channels and survive or else they go to hell. <laughs> the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's got John Ritter. A lot of funny as shit. And then Father of the Bride. That rings a bell. Steve Martin. Uh-huh. He's throwing a wedding for his daughter. Ooh. And there's and hilarity ensues. This is going to be a lot of scenes, just really short scenes, because they're about to go on a trip to Wally World. A big old park. Imagine Disney World. That's what this is supposed to be pretended or treated as. My mom went to Walmart when they said Wally World. Well, yeah, because a lot of people fuck didn't have a dad that only called Walmart Wally World every fucking waking moment of my life. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting a new car. He brings in his. However, the car isn't what they ordered. It's this baby shit green. With wood paneling. It's a hideous fucking car. Yes. And Chevy Chase is like, oh, it's supposed to be this color. And it's supposed to have the CB package. Yeah. Have you ever used a CB radio, Tracy? I have. Oh, you have? (laughs) One of our, a friend of mine that you know used to have a CB. People still talk on that shit? Yeah, I mean, truckers still use them day to every day. Well, yeah, I know truckers do. I'm just talking about, like, we're talking about the we're talking about the late 70s, early 80s with the whole America getting on a CB radio thing. Crazy, yeah. Like, and I mean, and a lot of older people still use them because it's entertainment for their travels. Meanwhile, Eugene Levy's trying to con Chevy Chase into getting this car. The fact is, like, I'm not your everyday fool. Like, Chevy Chase literally yeah. says that, and I'm like, okay, you're, you're not. Chevy Chase really plays a, a good dumbass. Yeah, dumbass is the word I'd use for him. So he's like, I'm not taking this car. Where's my car? The car's destroyed. Yeah. Like, in the whole time they're having this conversation, the car is just fucking demolished. His old car is demolished. A trade-in. We're just going to fucking turn it into a, a slab of metal. What? Why not resell it? Like, I don't get the... And then the fact, like, the car is sitting there. He walks up there and tries to open the fucking door and get in it. I was like, really? Like, that was necessary? Well, that's the thing about these vacation movies. It's all sight gags. That's the big thing about this. It's not really about the dialogue being funny, as we'll get into here in a little bit. But the, the, you mentioned that wood paneling, and that is some peak Americanism or some bullshit, dude. I don't know why that was ever popular. The station wagon is peak American. No, the wood paneling, especially then. Yeah. Oh, you were never in a wood panel car? Well, I believe we had a van that had wood paneling on it. Yeah. It was like an late 80s model van. It's just like, fuck is this? It's ugly as shit. It's pure American. That's what it is. Well, he goes home. To his family and well, come find out that piece of shit car he bought is a lemon. It starts popping and everything else. <laughs> Just is it supposed to sound like that? <laughs> he didn't even bother to test drive it 
or anything. I mean, you Eugene Levy did a hell of a job playing the sleazebag car salesman. Yes, he did. This is where we meet Ellen, who is played by Beverly D'Angelo. Nominated in her role in Coal Miner's Daughter. Yeah, that's the Dolly Parton movie, isn't it? You, yeah, it is. No, it's not. No, it's not. It has a another 35mm alum, right? With Tommy Lee Jones in it? Tommy Lee Jones is in it, yes. But it's got... This is about Loretta Lynn and Patsy Cline. Oh, huh. okay. It's a really good movie. She's in the other Vacation movies with Chevy Chase. One of the only two that were in all of the uh-huh. main Vacation movies. It's just her and Chevy, isn't it, that are yes. the two re- constant recurring? Yes, even the kids are recast in each movie. It, Johnny Galecki plays Rusty in Christmas movie, or Christmas Vacation. Bridget Fonda plays the daughter in the second one, or in the in Christmas Vacation, I'm sorry. She was also in American History X. Mm-hmm. She did a very popular Melendez TV movie, or Menendez TV movie. About the Menendez brothers. I don't remember. I don't think I know about that one. This was the 90s. It was super popular. If you like The Simpsons, like I do, she's Lurleen Lumpkin. Whenever Homer becomes Colonel Homer and discovers her and starts making her popular with her country music. I don't even know that one. Bunk with me tonight. Won't you bunk with me? Anyways, we get Dana Barron as Audrey here, who didn't do a whole lot. Uh, was in Death Wish 4. Uh-huh. Which, by God, how did they make so many of those? Sorry, you've never seen those. Was temporarily on Beverly Hills 90210. And she is the only kid to portray a vacation kid later. In that atrocious ass Christmas Vacation too. And in the second Christmas Vacation movie. Yes, it doesn't have Clark Griswold. It doesn't have Clark or Mama Griswold. Really? Yeah, it's only got it's a Randy Quay joint, and it's not good. And that's why I was like, that's when I said earlier, the main Vacation movies. That's a roll of the dice. <laughs> that's a choice, and it came out around the same time within a few years of A Christmas Story 2, which had no business being made either. Yeah. And did you know, like, when he pulls up, like, it's just being a piece of shit car. Oh, yeah. And did you see the airbag? I did. It was just a trash bag. Yeah, it was just a trash bag. I, th- I was like, ah, that's pretty funny. So we, and then it jumps to after dinner, and the parents are cleaning up, which, fuck that. And if I got if I got kids kids cleaning that fucking table oh yeah and it, it doesn't look like the kids could have done a worse job than they were doing yeah well did you notice what he was doing yeah he was just wiping them off and putting them in the cabinet yes and that's what I was talking about it this these movies revolve around sight gags like you have to pay attention to that and Beverly is making a damn good point here which would have saved us watching this movie. Just fucking fly. Just take an airplane. But they saved so much money. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I want to spend time with my kids. Spend time on the airplane with you. Uh-huh. And spend time, whatever we're doing. Spend time with Red Ferrari Girl, really. That's what he's looking forward to. Yeah. 
The and they're they're going to be gone for weeks. It's something like what two and a half weeks or some shit, like twenty days. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck is this middle like upper middle class asshole doing to be getting that much vacation time? Because you ain't gonna get that nowadays. You just have to burn it all in one go. The American worker had more standard of living than he does now. Yeah, but as I said, he wants to go on this trip with his kids, spend time with them, even though he's going to be driving and focusing on the road instead of spending time with the kids, which if you've ever been in a fucking car for that long, it sucks. With kids? Yeah. And this is pre-cell phones, pre-portable anything. 1983, yeah, that's... The, the the most electronic thing they have is a fucking little toy football game that beeps. I mean, they show you early on in this trip what kind of hell just riding in the car is going to be for them. Chevy, he's got this very Americanized version of a family life. Like, in his head, it is the nuclear family, and that's just not how it, how it is. <laughs> Stay-at-home wife, one son, one daughter... Don't they have pets as well? Like a dog. Yeah. I mean, it's... And then they go, you know, to show the trip that they planned. And his son is playing the Atari, Pac-Man on Atari, or I think it was Pac-Man. Don't really show the game. It was uh, ColecoVision. Okay. Okay, he... Okay, this is stupid-ass movie commentary on how video games are bad. Yeah. Because there's no way that his computer and the ColecoVision that he was playing would connect, interact. Oh, there was, there's no way it was. And I was like, this doesn't work that way. But of course, like the audience of the time didn't know that. And they were just like, Oh, look what he's doing. Ha ha ha. He's getting him. Yeah. He's showing this flat, his road trip, which LOL. I know that looks so horrible. And at the same time, Pac-Man is playing too on the T and it's just, chewing up on the the route and it's like yeah this is not yeah i i guess like i don't know how this would come across in the 1980s which computers were pc was out by then right or it just come out he looked like he had an old school mac is what he looked like he had trying to look at a road trip trying to look at apple maps on a crt in the 1980s is hilarious yeah and Apple II probably about roughly what he had. That's what it's looking like it was. And I didn't know those connected to TVs. I think they did because they could us. That that was that was news to me because I was like, why is this computer sitting on the coffee table? Why doesn't why isn't this in the office? Because it can connect to the TV. They actually came with connectors. Hmm. I wonder if they were like those. Uh, you remember those or NES? connectors if you had to connect it to an OTV. Yeah, like the, it had like the, the little barbs or what the little hooks. For the antenna signals. Yeah, you had to plug in there. And then you also had the connector that for like whenever my grandmother when she moved to Mayfield from where we lived out in the boonies in like ninety six, her T V had that two prongs into the back, but she had to get a connector so she could actually screw in a coaxial cable for it. Anyways, it's just if you're going to show that kind of stuff, and we're talking about 1983, so we're right at the video game crash. Yeah. At, at least show it properly, I guess. But that'd be too easy. Well, they leave the next morning, and the first thing that point like sticks out to me is that this car doesn't have a license plate. 
I wonder if that was due to, you know, there's some laws where you can't show license plates in movies and stuff. No, what they do is they, it, it's a trick where it uh-huh. kind of blurs it and like where you, people can't remember it or they just use a fake number. Or they got the, what they had on this one is just the, like the dealership license plate on the front. Yeah, not even a template. They didn't even put yeah. nothing, nothing. So this, so this family getting pulled over in like every fucking state. I do want to point out, even before they left, like they had a fucking going away party. Like they're moving out, like the entire neighborhood's there. And it's like, yeah, what? I have that written right here. I was like, the neighbors just come and see people like say bye. I mean, I don't even, I don't want to talk to my neighbors, much less want them to th- like give me a going away party, much less going into my house to take care of things. Yeah. Well, granted, this is suburbia, so maybe the kids, they kind of have an established relationship through the kids. And These are all rich people, so yeah. they... They're all rich white people that know everybody. Yeah, they go to the club together all the time. And they're driving through Chicago. No, that's really Chicago. It is? Yeah, one of the shots is actually was reused for Married with the Married with Children intro. Well, the reason I was like Chicago is because as you see them driving around that you see like a random ass elbow in the background and one of the shots why you see much more like not grass but more like dirt and shrub like you would like typically like in los angeles or in the southwest instead of like grass that you would see in the summer like when you're going to chicago no it depends on when they filmed it and yeah. we're also talking about the early 80s before urban sprawl really set in yeah they're singing different songs already, and I'm, I'd be already pissed and annoyed if I was there. That's like, yeah, the, you wanted to take this long ass trip across country with your kids. You're 10 minutes outside the fucking house, and you're already wanting to choke them. Yeah. Uh, if I'm the parent, if I'm the kid, I want to choke my dad for singing, like, they're singing Mockingbird by, which was at the time by Carly Simon and James Taylor. If you have ever seen Dumb and Dumber, you know this song. Mock, yeah, ing, yeah. And they're like, they're duetting it. Yeah. The parents are duetting it here. And they then they go start singing the Wally World theme, which was made up, of course. And it's clearly a parody of M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E and Disney World. Oh. And the kids just give the fuck up. And I don't blame them. So they start listening to the Ramones. Uh-huh. And showing like that that... That clash between, yeah, boomers and Gen X. I got a question for you. I don't know if you noticed this. What is it with people that grew up in the 80s and they show it in the movie and napkins and like tissue on the dashboard? Like, what is that? I, I don't know, man. They have like using a dashboard for your belongings. I know. I, I keep napkins in my car, but I pick, keep them in the glove box. Yeah, like, they had, like, shoes, flip-flops up there. Uh, you still see that. Do you ever see that whenever you're on the road? Like That's my parents. Like, that was my parents <laughs> <laughs> with this random ass my, shit on the dashboard. I'm like, why? My parents never did that, but I've seen, like, some cars, they just have a bunch of shit on their dashboard. And I'm like, the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you afraid you're going to lose it in your car? I guess. I mean, that's just going to turn into fucking a Claymore mine if they hit something with the airbags yeah, in cars just, nowadays. Yeah, just everything just gets thrown whenever if you ever have to slam on the brakes. It's not worth it. And there's he, and Chevy is still singing songs after a quick time dissolve. 
like just singing and he just sings songs several times in this movie and that's when they pull up to a gas station and he can't find the gas tank which if i'm getting a even if i'm getting a piece of shit i'm gonna know where the gas tank is yeah it's in the front i've never heard of and when i'm saying the front i'm talking about like at the it hit the hinge of the hood. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that was for this movie. I just never heard of a car having that because that would seem like it goes directly into the fucking engine. And I mean, nowadays, most gas tanks are in the same place. It's either on the driver's side or passenger side in the back. And so he's trying to fill this up and he is looking around and he rips off the, he ends up ripping off the back license plate so now he really has nothing back there because he saw a woman filling up her gas tank in the back which was behind the license plate which was common for some 1970 model cars i was about to say it i was going to ask if he had ever filled up a tank like that i have like my mom had an old crown victoria that did that i haven't ever actually filled up a car like that but it wasn't uncommon for the time and so they get to St. Louis, and this is, again, this is really St. Louis, crossing the Mississippi, and the mighty Mississippi. And this is, and I was looking at the maps of this, and I noticed how much different it is now there, because we're not far from St. Louis. Yeah. And looks totally different, dude. Totally different. 1983 to 2022. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. And I just, it was here that I noticed the songs Chevy Chase was singing. He was singing stuff like Swing Low Sweet Chariot. I, I caught that. And I'm just like singing that racist that song and fucking. Yeah, like these Blue Tail Fly, Deep River. And I'm just like. I mean, that's that classic 80s special of light racism like bud light it's light racism i'm sure you've seen the that bit of it's just it's just diet racism because <laughs> i mean they're singing these old like slave songs while going to the, the worst parts of st louis well i was about to say we're about to get to the blatant racism next i know I, i'm just like what the hell and but right before we get to that these did you notice these dumbass middle class kids didn't know what the mississippi was yeah kids in high school so presumably they took a u.s geography and there's only two big river like big rivers one of which they're right next to yeah but i still bet they got into harvard probably so they get across the river but he's not paying attention to his map he knows where he's going he doesn't need his map and see back in the day we didn't have phones that had maps at instant access. We had to have either a big ass atlas to route our map, or if you were like my dad, he paid the money for AAA to get a trip tick, which would they would send you a highlighted map like in sections, so it wasn't like on one big ass page. You flip the book; it was a little booklet huh. of where to go, and I use that so several times like going to like new york city or chicago and then they end up in a predominantly black part of town which yeah it was on a back lot that was clear but it for all intents and purposes it was east st louis 
Yes, that's what I was like. That's but you see him driving over the river, and it's like, mm. yeah, and and it's portrayed as the slums, which East St. Louis isn't a good part of the area, especially now. But like they went into overdrive with this shit. Oh, they did. The fucking fact that it's like that he's asking for direction, and there's some dudes playing him for directions as his hubcaps are being stolen off his car. Yeah. Also, some of the dialogue. Well, like, they pull in there, and then they hear gunshots, and he was like, roll them up, which has been used, I think, in a family guy. It's been referenced in Family Guy. And Beverly D'Angelo says, we have no business being in an area like this. And I'm like, ooh, big oof, big oof. Slightly big oof. Then exchange between her and Chevy Chase, because he goes, this is the part of America we never get to see. And then she says, that's good. And this is pre-Reagan introducing crack, right, in the inner cities? I don't know, but it's still very problematic. Yeah, he's getting his hubcap stolen. And to be fair to Harold Ramis in all this, he has said he had said repeatedly before he passed away that he wouldn't have ever filmed it like this today, like if he had had a chance to redo it. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. And we go back on the road. Because this is more of an episodic movie uh-huh. where they go like do different things, you know, five, 10 minute scenes, go to the next one, five minutes with an over, like the overarching story is they're getting to one place. So they're back on the road and this car has a single bench seat where she lays in his lap, like puts her head into his crotch because I, I guess Chevy Chase was like, can I get a little road head? That's with, what I thought too, and I was just, with my with my kids behind me. But they were sleeping, so it's fine. Yeah, and well, the kids were. That was one of the side gags is that they were looking over their shoulder, and his steering wheel gets stuck, and her head is just stuck right into Chevy Chase's dick, and so he, she's like, "Yo, Chevy, we need we need to go to a hotel, or you're gonna fall asleep, and we're all gonna die," and. I, I know people fall asleep at the wheel. I don't know how they do it. I don't either. I get it. Like, I, I yeah, I totally get it. I just... I've had those moments where I'm like, okay, I need to... I can't drive no more. I've I got to move, get wake up myself a few times. Yeah, I pull over. At, like, if I ever had to go on a long trip, I pull over, you know, do, you know, wake up a little bit and then get back in. But, yeah, I've never just... I'm like... <clears throat> You never pulled a Clark Griswold falling asleep for five minutes as his car just runs through every yeah. fucking thing. Taking the driving aspect out of it, can you even can you sleep in a car? I can. Like if I'm in a bachelor seat, I can. Yeah, me too. Uh, I know some people just absolutely cannot. <laughs> and we know some people. One person specific, if the car moves, she falls asleep. <laughs> oh yeah, my wife. <laughs> just oh, car's moving, sweet time. Yes, you know how many times I've like. Had to drive. I'll be driving my wife, my kids. Everybody will be asleep but me. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? And yeah. I, I can sleep in a car. I can read in a car. I know some people cannot stand to read in a car. It makes them sick. But sure enough, Chevy Chase dozes the fuck off like a dumbass and starts driving through different places, manages to, you know, not kill his family. Because we need, we need fucking hijinks here. And in one spot, like 
somehow he's driven by like a restaurant and then drove into a residential area. He drives by this one dude and this dude who is walking a dog and he just fucking yanks that dog up into his arms. Like, yeah. God bless, dude. Like, I mean, you saved his life, but you almost like killed him too at the same time by giving the dog whiplash. And it is a, this has been clearly referenced in The Simpsons. Uh huh. Specifically, Itchy and Scratchy Land. I don't think I've seen that episode. Well, it was when they go to Itchy and Scratchy Land. Marge is like, Homer, you need to go pull over and so we can go to a hotel. And Homer's like, oh, no, I'll be okay. And then they see a car, like, just go into a fiery crash. And they're looking out, out of the window of the hotel because they were like, oh, it's a good idea. We went, we, were, we went to a hotel. Yeah. But he wakes up, manages to put it in reverse, which would have just, you know, wrecked that transmission. And somehow rolls it into a perfect parking spot at the hotel. I was like, oh, we're here for the night. Yep. And they get them. It's one of those fancy love hotels with the quarter machine for the bed. Yes. And th- yeah, we're at this hotel, and this is a. Your wife would never stay at this hotel. Oh, no. <laughs> Not even close. And this was rated R, right? Yes, rated R. Because it makes sense what I'm about to bring up next. I mean, yeah, because we see boobies. Yes, we do. We see Beverly D'Angelo's breast in full view, and life of me, I just never knew this. That they were in this movie? Yeah. If I ever watched this, it was on... Edited for TV. Edited for TV, yeah. Where they would zoom in or things like that. The They have a little psycho homage, which, okay, cool. I don't really care. It's not funny. And then he's like, baby, can I join you in the shower? And she was like, nope. <laughs> Got cock blocked. Because that's what you get for almost killing your family. And then he flips out by having to stay on schedule. They're behind. They need to keep going and making progress. But then his wife and him decide to get a little snuggly. And they get in the floor because the bed's vibrating too much. Yeah, they put the bed broke, which, again... But I've never seen that in my life. I've never seen one of those bad as my life. As they're getting snuggly, the kids come in. Yeah, because they lay on the floor instead of doing what Anthony Michael Hall does here and just unplugs the damn thing. But it's comedy, so it has to be funny. It doesn't make sense. And that that was a, you know, that wasn't three minutes of a scene. Yeah, these, these scenes are really quick because we go... Right into Dodge City, Kansas, and they're at this frontier town. And it reminds me of the time I pissed off your brother so fucking much. What happened? Well, I was about to go to the military the first time, and they were him and his then girlfriend was like, Oh, we want to take you to Mammoth Cave. And okay. and I'm just being an asshole because I'm ready I'm ready to like leave my hometown. And going through this cave and i'm like oh look a rock i've never seen that before oh and at one point in the tour they turn out the lights and i was like oh cool rocks in the dark so you're just being asked me an ass yeah i was at oh yeah absolutely and then but after that we go to this oh to get there you we had to take the ski lift Uh which was had to have been made in 1957 
I thought I was going to die on that damn thing. We get to this frontier town, kind of like what they're in in this movie. Uh-huh. And it, it's just so stupid. I hate them. And one part was like this magician doing shit. And I'm like, call on me. And he would never call on me. You'd ruin the show, Matt. I would have. I absolutely would have that day. Because you got to be that guy. I just didn't want to be there. Yeah. And my wife made me go. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? Thanks, wife. I was like, listen, I'm about to leave. Let me leave, fiance, at the time. I'm about to I'm about to leave for the military. I want to do things with you. Just you. Hint, hint. So you are the only one who hates these things, as we can tell, like Chevy Chase's and his family's reaction to this sound. They they did filming here for literally three or four minutes because you have Wyatt Earp here with sneakers on and all it is to get around to is for Chevy Chevy Chase to start talking shit to a bartender who takes a shot at him with a blank shotgun. Yeah. And uh, one of the kids goes, it's dirty and touristy. I'm like, of course it's dirty and touristy. It's the 80s. What do you expect? Because... The next morning they're look and we go in the next morning almost immediately and they're looking at maps and they Chevy Chase wants to go to a mud dwelling, which he says was made by our frontiersmen. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And if like of course this guy who had this whole entire pre planned trip is winging the fuck out I'm like, let's go down here now. Like we just threw everything out the window. It's like, fuck it. Let's do it this way. Meanwhile, the kids are fighting when all of a sudden the gorgeous Christy Brinkley pulls up in a Ferrari. Most people would recognize her if they ever watched infomercials in their life because she did a lot of exercise infomercials with Chuck Norris. She was also on the cover girl ads a lot. And at the time. So did she do some other stuff as well? Not really. Not, not really anything significant. This was her first role. In fact, at the beginning, it said introducing Christy Brinkley. Oh, wow. This was her first role. Gotcha. And she's driving up, and the music playing here is Little Boy Sweet by June Pointer. Uh-huh. And here's the thing. People always want to bitch about how movies are changed. Like, say, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. How Oh George there was like, I'm going to take these three movies, throw a bunch of shit in it, change it up. Make more money. Yeah. I just got to say it and get it out there that this is that typical 80s car montage chick way too far out of your league and you're... Well, this is the start of it. Yeah. This is the well, first time it happened. I know, but it, it's an every 80s movie where it's like, there's no way. But going back to that song, this was actually not the original song that played in the movies. What was it was I'm so excited by the Pointer Sisters. Why'd they change it? I, fuck if I know. Huh. But it's just like, and right now, like, right now, HBO Max is dropping shit, and everybody's like, well, we need to get back into piracy so we can preserve this shit. And again, it's, preservation isn't really about preservation because movies do these little slight changes all the fucking time. Yeah. Depending on the country it's being released in or say cats from a few years ago 
<laughs> because dumbasses didn't want to give it time or dumbasses didn't want to give VFX artists enough time to do it right. Yeah. Tell me what you really thought about that cast movie, Matt. Oh, I love it. It's the greatest movie ever. I know. I watch it every Christmas with my daughter. <laughs> it's a good family tradition to have. Because I still fucking howl laughing when McClivity, played by Idris Elba, comes out. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> and gorgeous woman in a car pulling up beside Chevy Chase in a, is a staple of vacation movies. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's doing like 80, trying to keep up with her. All of a sudden, Beverly D'Angelo's like, yo, dude, slow the fuck down. Which is me when I ride with a certain someone. Huh, don't know who you're talking about. Some Someone that will drive 90 fucking five miles an hour and get us and turn a three and a half hour trip into like two. We'll make your Prius not eco-friendly. No, man, my... Mm. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about on that, Matt. So we go from one, we go from our hometown to Louisville, Kentucky to watch wrestling. And this dude hauls ass, gets us there way too early. Oh, well. We got there in time. Oh, you. And were, it's not like you ever like fully feared for your life while I was traveling, did you? It wasn't about you. What if some <laughs> other dumbass? Well, did you ever feel fear for your life while I'm driving? Do you? I guess not, especially since you are the you are the chauffeur in every trip. There's a certain person I ride with who it has got to the point. If it's an extended period of time, I cannot ride with them without having something for me to do because their driving scares the shit out of me, and they will never listen to this podcast. <laughs> so I'm okay to say that. I say the same thing. I have to preoccupy myself or I become a backseat driver because I'm like, what are you doing? What are you, the fuck are you doing? You're going to kill us. That's the, that's the, the, uh, the two second gap is not very much a, uh, it's a nice guideline to Bob to go with the speed limit is not how fast you want to go. Okay. Thank you. The one thing that Chevy Chase was doing in this movie though, in this scene that I cannot do. And that is drive in silence. I hate driving in silence. Oh, I can. Like, you mean just no music, nothing at all? No music, just rubber on the road. Oh, I can. I hate it. And this is where we get to Coolidge, Kansas. And we pull up into this rinky-dink fucking roll-ass house. And we meet Eddie, played by Randy Quaid. He's nominated several times for his television film work. Like, he's been in a lot of serious roles. Like he was LBJ, really? Yeah, that was one. He was he was streetcar named Desire, Days of Thunder, but he was also in shit like Caddyshack too. People seem to like Kingpin. It's not my type of thing. And then the two thousands happened, and so he was doing some good work. Brokeback Mountain. Uh huh. He was the the asshole ranch owner in that movie. Huh? Like I haven't. But he was also doing a bunch of shit, like Christmas Vacation too. Yeah. And now he is a big oof of a person. I mean, he's... So, I haven't seen none of Randy Quaid's serious stuff. I've only seen him in his more comedic roles, in a sense. 
and that he is now pretty much living the personification of the characters he's played. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he is absolutely his uh, Independence Day character. Have you ever been to his Twitter? No, it's a cesspool that I want to avoid. That I know. I know it's a. Oh no! Oh no, son! No, no! You need to. So Eddie is married to co- cousin Catherine, who is played by Miriam Flynn. She is part of the Second City Improv. And this is like I was saying before: the the a lot of these people got started with Second City, uh-huh. or were heavily involved with them, like Alan Alda. Steve Carell, Jordan Peele, Tina Fey. I didn't know Jordan Peele was involved with them. Yes. And we meet their kids. Oldest girl is play is Vicky, played by Jane Krakowski. Uh-huh. This is her first role, but she was also in the big the big time hit, Flintstones 2, Viva Rock Vegas. She looked familiar and I looked her up and she plays Gloria's nemesis in Modern Family. In the later seasons. Yeah. She shines a lot more in TV and very hilarious actress. Um, yeah. She was in Ally McBeal, 30 Rock, Kimmy Schmidt, most recently. Then we have Dale, who's played by John Navin, but he he didn't do a whole lot, so I didn't really look up his thing, any, his things he's done. And then we have the youngest, who was just used for a mute joke, because that's something we need to do in the 1980s. Yeah. Is Mabel, who is actually played by Harold Ramis's daughter. Yeah, we have a bunch of things that shouldn't... That it, it isn't comedy. Making a mute joke isn't comedy. Making fun of black neighborhoods isn't comedy. And here we find out Randy's about to lose the house, and he gives... Chevy Chase a beer, which he had been drinking. Yeah. I would have fucking punched him. And he's talking about the bank coming after him. Like, yeah, why wouldn't a bank come after a degenerate drunk like you are? Yeah. Like, we got Randy Quaid's character here is very reminiscent of people I know back home. Roll. Yeah. Idiots. And meanwhile, the two daughters start talking, and they're talking about French kissing. And, oh, boy. This fucking line that just floored me. Because, again, I watch this TV edits. Uh-huh. This is not... This line I'm about to say is not in the TV edit. Because Jane Krakowski's, like, talking about how good she is at French kissing. And she says, Daddy says I'm best at it. Yeah. So, Randy Quaid, Eddie, in this movie, sexually molests his daughter. Yeah. And they play it for a joke. Because in the movie or in the TV versions, that's obviously not in there. No, they dub it over with a, about a teacher. That's not any better. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I didn't say it was. <laughs> it, I'm just saying it's not much better. I mean, that's a that's a, they went from a scale of twelve what the fuck to eleven what the fuck. I mean, it's it's, it's... yeah, it, it is an upgrade like going from version one point to one point one. Oh god, it was not that good of a oh. no. They should have just deleted the fucking line. Yeah, and yeah. You want to you want to change music up in a movie, but you don't want to eliminate a stupid like a pointless fucking line. Just it's that's just made to be disgusting. But Tracy, comedy isn't comedy like it used to be. God, I remember when I used to laugh at this shit. Or Tracy, you got 
Archie Bunker was one of the best motherfuckers that ever comedied. I hate people. I hate boomers. They don't, especially when they don't realize it, like, because a lot of times they'll bring up Archie Bunker. Or they don't realize he was playing a character and that they took him as legit and he's like... They didn't really. yeah. They never realized that Carol O'Connor was making fun of their ass. But, you know, even then they had... Randy Quay was uh, proving how creepy of a dude he could be. He started early. Yeah. And meanwhile, this son is wearing a crop top in the 1980s, which it's making a comeback. But the two boys were together talking about things to do. He's like, I got a nudie books if you would look at it. Real quick, they have an exchange. The sons have an exchange, and uh, that got me a little, got, gave me a little chuckle. Yeah. Because Anthony Michael Hall is like, hey, do you have any video games like Asteroids? And then the other son's like, no, my dad had that cleared up because he's interpreting it as hemorrhoids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got a good, ch- I got a chuckle out of that. But they are really trying to make fun of poor life, dude, in this scene. Poor lot? Poor life. Oh. Like, they're trying to make fun of the poor here. Because about talking about a worm farm and oh, yeah. some other shit. I mean, this entire thing is just like, look at the Reagan social safety net. How well it's working for the people. Look at these white trash people. We are uppity middle class folk. Yeah. Which, you watch a lot of John Hughes. John Hughes stuff, it has a lot of those elements in it. I'm not surprised. Like when you think about it. Uh huh. But yeah, for some reason, the sons go off to go look at porn together. I mean, they're what, 12, 13 at this time? A primo porn stash? You just don't pass that up. And Randy Quaid's sons, like, I use them a lot. And he's talking about jacking off. And Anthony Michael doesn't know what that means yet. Yeah. Somehow. And I was just like, I bet those pages are sticking together. Oh, yeah. And one of them says, Bob, your baloney. Or Randy Quaid sounds says, Bob, your baloney. Yeah, like, that's that phrase isn't going to catch on, dude. We can make it work, though. Yeah, and we're getting all, like, there's a couple scenes that are talking about other shit. But we get to this gr- this cookout scene, and Ra- Randy Quaid is wearing these uh, god-awful, ugly-ass clothes. Yeah. Like, something Eugene Levy should have wore. If he was a sleazy car salesman. And then you see Jane Krakowski stirring the fucking Kool-Aid with her bare hand. I, I gag, dude. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, this entire, like, scene hit that, like, <laughs> on a few different points. Because, I mean, they're doing the cookout. They're not doing any meat. They're just like, and we got some grilled buns for you. You want some mayo or ketchup on it? And, and here comes Aunt Edna. Looking like Thelma Harper from Mama's Family, who's played by Imogene Coca. And she, coincidentally, she was in an episode of Mama's Family this same, the same year this came out. By design. And she's one of the first TV comics of the 50s and 60s. And there, again, another scene where people were eating the fuck outside when they don't need to. And this is where they spring it on Chevy Chase and Beverly that they're driving the ant to Phoenix, and that's when I'm like, no, the fuck I'm not. Out of nowhere. You better figure it out your damn self or put her on a Greyhound bus. I don't know what to tell you. Don't forget her dog either. This is a family trip with my family, okay? Yeah. Learn to say no, people. And we go to nighttime with the girls. The girls are getting high while the adults are just sitting 
all awkward ass like in the living room with nothing on and this is where randy quaid's like well the asbestos factory closed and then he asked for money and chevy chase is like yeah sure i'll give you a couple bucks how much you here's a 20. yeah how much do you need 52k uh what yeah fi- over fifty thousand dollars and i've been like i'm we're out of here we're gone and 1983 money so that's like 150 grand now yeah nope. so he he broke broke which you know comes into play later in christmas vacation because there he's driving an rv they're living in an rv and then when you get to vegas vacation he is still in an rv but it's like in the middle of the desert and then we get independence day yeah so the next morning they leave and they give i i don't i didn't really understand the joke here with the shoes because the shoes looked okay they're pimp shoes because remember i think the way i took it is clark Chevy Chase's character had said, so like, oh, those are nice shoes, like a compliment that he didn't obviously mean. And so then Randy Quaid's character got him a pair of them since he said they were nice, since he liked them so much. Yeah, but I don't get the joke. Like, they're not ugly. I mean, they're not ugly, but they're not. Like, I wouldn't wear them fucking things. I mean, I wouldn't wear them because they're white and I get yeah. them dirty, but they look, they're just loafers. But, and I think. This is in Christmas Vacation too, but another time where they're leaving and Randy Quaid tries to kiss Bev and she just not fucking having it. I'd have to look back at Christmas Vacation, but I feel like that's a recurring joke too, where or a recurring joke or um, she just genuinely doesn't want her want Randy Quaid touching her. Yeah, one of the two or both. I don't know. I don't blame her because she is just trying to like no dude. And then also, on top of this, of having to take this fucking ant, he has to take the fucking Cujo dog. I know. I'm like, that dog can fucking stay. Yeah, that dog can well, stay or it's going to die. Which well, I, TLDR, it, just it does. <laughs> and then they they leave and they get a wave They get a wave off from the family. Like, I ain't going outside if I don't have to. If you're gone, you're gone. Peace. Well, the female cousin at least gave uh, Krasinski's character like 50 fucking joints like here you go take them with you (laughs) just a bunch of roll joints already it's like here you go yeah here's some weed and they're like stereotypical blunts because only poor people or minorities smoke weed in these movies yeah not chevy chase well chevy chase he's a middle class person so yeah he's just doing heroin or blowing the garage yeah well, they get back on the road and they get to the this campground, which is clearly a play on KOA campgrounds. So, what uh, we this is our second Ferrari girl showing appearance. Yeah, I think I skipped. Did. She shows up again, and like she's obviously like, hurry, hurry, hurry. And then, yeah, the KOA camera. Well, it says Camp Comfort. I'm like, huh? All they're missing here is just another K to just be right where it needs to be. Yeah, which these had like these open air cabins, which aren't bad, but they're trying to pretend like it's beneath them. Them in this movie, and it's like what something like thirty seven bucks for three rooms. Yeah, that's a hell of a fucking deal for three rooms like, of those cabins. Yeah, an open air cabin is nice to me. Which yeah, but these are city people having to rough it. Yeah, 
and they go to the office to pay for these rooms and this is where brian Doyle murphy shows up this is bill murphy's brother i don't think i'd recognize him from anything he's had quite accomplished career himself uh-huh kids today will know him as the flying dutchman on spongebob huh. he wrote caddyshack actually that harold ramus directed okay he's acted in a lot of movies as a character actor have you ever seen jfk Oh, really? I haven't seen it. I figured you had seen that one. No. But he played Jack Kirby. Okay. He was also, he's collaborated with Bill Murphy. Uh, he did, was in Ghostbusters and Scrooged. Mm-hmm. He wrote a lot of episodes of SNL for a while. Uh, most recently, this was something I might have to check out, but him and uh, his brother Bill went on a kind of like a travel channel style show on Facebook watch. Yeah. Where they went to make minor league ballparks. I was like, that kind of sounds interesting. Yeah. It sounds like a horrible experience. What are you talking about? It kind of sounds fun. Actually. I don't know. I'm not a fan of baseball though. So. Oh, have you ever been to a game? No, but I don't want to go. You should go one time, at least once. Not a Cardinals game. Fuck that. Go to a Cubs game then? Uh, I'd like to, but I've been to a Tigers game in Detroit. That was fun and cheap. Mm. Not like Cardinals. Cardinals games cost like 130 bucks for good seats. Yeah. And I'm not going to – I'm sorry. I, if I ha- can't avoid it, I'm not going to sit in nosebleeds. Yeah. If I can't avoid it. And did you notice that he was wearing Nixon pins? What was that else called when you said? Did you notice that – Brian Doyle Murphy was wearing Nixon pins on his shirt. Yeah, I think so. Which was what? A true believer. Hey, he'd definitely be. He'd definitely have been at the Capitol on January 6th. What are you talking about? He was in Watergate. Like, he was actually actively working in Watergate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this place, just like, the open-air cabins themselves aren't bad, but this reminds me of local camping areas where we're from, Mm -hmm. which is they're not kept up. It's just through the cabin, they threw the cabins there and you're on your own or they're all run down. Like the pool there in this movie is a place for animals. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah. They again, and Clark is just really wanting to get some sex on this trip and he's not getting it. And he's definitely not getting it here. Yeah. Because the dog starts fucking bothering him, which there should have been a lock on the door, but, but, and it's open air cabin. So everyone's going to hear him. Yeah. Because these cabins are like right next to each other. This is actually a change scene because originally it was supposed to be Brian Doyle Murphy in a costume. What's the costume? Like a bear. Wasn't supposed to be an actual bear. It was supposed to be part of the camping experience. Oh. And so he would dress up like a bear and then sneak into the cabin and, you know, not die somehow. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of just getting shot. Yeah. Or beat the fuck up. Because uh, at the end, whenever you're looking at the pictures of the movie. Yeah. You see a picture of them at the campground. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering why there's a dude dressed up as a bear behind him. Oh. That's, they cut that scene. They changed up that scene, but they kept the picture. Gotcha. Okay. So we get to the next morning. 
Clark somehow still has optimism about this fucking trip when I would have been like, we're done. <laughs> Pack it up, go home. Ethel, you're on your own. And, and this is like a, a thing in all the vacation movies because they couldn't, you know, change it up one time. Is like Clark is optimistic for this whole fucking thing. And then he snaps and goes off on like a weird ass, wild ass fucking adventure at the end. Like in Vegas, Vegas vacation, he loses all the money. So he, we get, and he's like, give me all your money, Randy Quaid. So we can start, start doing the dumbass shit to try to get back my money. And there, you see some slapstick with the piece of shit dog. Yeah. But then like he leaves the campground and then they get pulled over by James Keach, who is the brother of Stacy Keach. And the cop is threatening this dude. Chevy Chase, and he doesn't know why. Come to find out, Chevy Chase, funny haha, left a dog leash on the bumper, and the dog is dead. Like, he fucking did that on purpose. That wasn't a, oops, I just, He absolutely did that on purpose. Uh, and I was like, you fucking piece of shit. Like, and this is another, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that funny to me. I, I don't have a pet. I'm not going to get, you know, think of it as my dog and have that emotional attachment. But there's no way this would be done today, right? Oh, no. There's no fucking way it would be done. I mean, we've got a a mutual friend of ours' wife will would not watch this movie because of that scene. Really? You remember when our mutual friend was playing a Fallout 4 and he left the dog there? She's like, you fucking go back and get that dog. Like, she was like, she chewed into him about that. Oh, yeah. That's right. Like, yeah, she would not put up with this. <laughs> she would be like, nope, I'm out. This movie's done. Wow. Wow. But Chevy Chase gets called dog killer and then they pull into this drive-in diner and this waitress puts all the, like, again, another sight joke, puts a bunch of food on this window and his window breaks. Yeah, this would never happen. Yeah. And we get another scene with Ferrari girl, Christy Brinkley. I mean, I don't know about you, but I thought the most attractive woman in the film was his actual wife anyway, so I don't know why he's trying so hard for Ferrari girl. And he almost has a wreck here, and at the same time Beverly D'Angelo takes off her belt. Uh-huh. What are you doing? She's gonna beat him with it. Just, we don't want you to die. No. Oh yeah, she she snuggles up close to him. Like, yeah, and he's sweating his, sweating his ass off. Yeah. and But he still has this stupid-ass optimism. And they get to Arizona, and they're driving down a gravel road, which I think even in 1983, if you hit a gravel road, you've gone somewhere wrong. Yeah. But he ends up driving off a ramp and wrecking the car. And get another staple in vacation movies, wrecking something. Driving off a cliff or something. He did it in Christmas Vacation right at the, right at the beginning. And, and right before this scene, he's like, I guess there's not much more that can happen to us. And he gets a couple of jokes, like the airbag delay. Yeah. And then you hear Jane or not Jane Kukowski, uh Yeah, the daughter go, I just got my period. That. Um, did you see the visual joke in this is they were in the backseat before the wreck, and then they're in the front seat after the wreck? Yeah. Well, they're dead is what. Yeah. Apparently, in the according to the trivia, if that's believe, to be believed, there was a bet whether or not they could actually get that car to jump any <laughs> jump fifty feet. 
<laughs> and they got it to jump 50 feet. Oh, wow. They're in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. And Chevy Chase starts talking to Anthony Michael Hall about growing up. And he's got these gl- broken glasses that he tries to put on because he's, again, he's got this image. He's got this image of he's got to be the father knows best 1950s father or some shit. I don't know. And just no sells the glasses falling off part. Yeah. Which that's like kind of a Chevy Chase thing. And he shares a beer with shares. Oh, yeah. He didn't actually share. He gave. He was like, yeah, here, you need to have your first beer, Anthony Michael But he just chugs it and just like, oh. And he just chugs it. And Chevy Chase is like, doesn't even, doesn't even register in his brain. Which I guess that might be an element to this too, about how he's a parent that doesn't pay attention. And gets and just dumb. So, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, he goes off looking for aid. And he starts singing a thousand bottles of beer in the wall, or ninety-nine bottles of beer in the wall. And it cuts to him right after that singing one bottle of beer in the wall. And I'm like, yeah, at that point, he wouldn't be alive. He'd be a statistic whilst in the desert at that point. Yeah. He, he wouldn't have made it. He was he was in the middle of a desert. He's dead within the next two hours. Yeah. And I noticed like each time they dissolve though, like the pants got pulled up more and more. Until he's wearing them. Until he's wearing them on his head. I, I, I really just want to know how in the fuck he made it into town. Because, like, he passes out in the desert. The next scene, he's, like, walking into town and finds his family. And you're like, yeah. the fuck? But after his family gets there. Or he gets there after the family. Yeah. So if he had just waited, he'd have been fine. Yes. And it, I notice in the background here is a cigarette vending machine. Have you ever seen those? Oh, it's been a long time, but I've seen them before. Last time I saw one is at a strip club in Illinois in the 2000s. I think I went to a bar in Nashville. I was in the military and saw one in there. I, I remember being like, whoa, these fucking still exist. Yeah. And so the car gets fixed and the... I don't know how they fix that fucking car. <laughs> I don't either. Everything's broke. It's a piece of shit. The shocks on the thing afterwards, it was just sitting flat on the ground and all of a sudden like, it's fixed, guys. And you you see it rolling and the tires are looking wobbly as shit. Like they're just going to roll off down the road as it's driving down. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, it's not really fixed because of that, but the mechanics extort him. Yeah. And then he's like, I need money. How much money do you have? And And his daughter's like, I got 40 bucks. And I'm like, you got 40 bucks from babysitting? What the fuck? So they get to this new hotel, which is fancy, which is more along the lines of a middle-class family hotel. But he can't use his credit cards or cash a check because earlier they were stolen or lost. They fell off the car. So here, you know, he just commits a felony. It's a slight felony. And I don't get why he, like, because he called the bank and canceled her cars because it's stolen. But I don't know why he didn't call the bank like, hey, like, make the phone call and, like, not cancel his cards. But also at the, I mean, I didn't know credit cards at this time were done over telephone. I think it depended on really where you went. Because, I mean, we're just scan, like. Yeah, I know a lot of places had that, but I think maybe at a more upscale hotel like that was, they probably did actually have the means to run the, tel- the credit card. But they had this old-ass fucking register that opened when you hit the desk. 
I know. <laughs> He's just like, here's your thousand dollar check, and I'm taking every cash in there. Like, but at that point, you still committed a felony. Why did you? Live? I wouldn't have left a check. I would have just taken the money. I mean, yeah, you just gave him evidence to know where you live at. Yeah. Oh, yeah, your address is on a check. That's right. Because that's, like, that's oh. something. I mean, they wouldn't have required his driver's license at that point in time, I don't think. Or they wouldn't have had it on there. But, oh, yeah, back then, back then you could go into any hotel without having to give really anything but the money. Yeah. Now, those are really reserved for hourly hotels or places you know, like you can be like, here's some money. Only need it for 40 minutes. Or about three hours. Maybe. They also steal some sandwiches, which I bet them things are nasty. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot they did that. The gas station, like, here's your egg salad. Oh. <laughs> I, if it's anything other than a regular lettuce salad, and it's got salad in the title, uh-huh. that shit already sounds nasty to me. There's no fucking way I'm eating it. Egg salad, tuna salad, macaroni salad. It all sounds like shit. I can't do egg salad. I mean, egg salad just sounds and look disgusting. I do chicken salad and tuna salad. I can't. Why? How? It's ugh. I, I, it's the texture, I guess, for me. My limit of what I eat. Those veggie omelet MREs really kind of made it like I can scarf this down. I can. I ate that once in my life and never again. I hated my life for the next day because of that damn thing. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, those MREs, I got like, okay, I can eat this. I've had worse. No, if you ever eat an MRE, make sure you drink plenty of water mm-hmm. or it's going to, it's going to come out like a brick. <laughs> They're not fun. But they're designed that way, too. Yeah. It's around here that they figure out that the ant died. And Clark just swerves the fuck off the road. Like, Pop kills the family again. Drives almost drives off the fucking cliff. And Clark wants to continue. He just wants to throw her ass over the cliff and go on. <laughs> and, like... And, you know, commit another felony, so... Well, D'Angelo's character's like, how are they going to find her? Like, oh, they can just look for the buzzards. Yeah. And they tie her to the roof, and it starts raining. And roll into Arizona like that. Phoenix, Arizona like that. And I'm like, Arizona has that much rain? It's like they're one rainy for a decade like that. Originally, they were gonna, she was going to stay alive. In fact, if you look at one scene, you can see, like, she has her eyes closed, but you can see that she's, like, moving her eyelids. Uh-huh. They had actually... We're thinking of keeping her alive, but they didn't want to play. They didn't want to be that mean to have a tie or have in the movie a an old woman tied to the top of a car. So they're just going to do her dead body instead. So making fun of poor people is okay. Making fun of black people is okay. Making fun of disabled people is okay. Making fun of statutory rape is okay. Yeah, I keep yeah, I keep trying to block that out of my mind. But if you tie an old woman to the top of a car, that's crossing the line. Yeah, that is horrible shit in the in the early eighties. But they they get to this, they drop her, they throw her ass onto a chair because the cousin's not home, and so they have a eulogy, which isn't really sincere. 
And at that point, everybody's like, Black Clark is like, you know what? It's done. It's over. There's a death mountain on this trip. We don't want to continue. We just want to fucking go home. Yeah, I mean, they're and they're right. They're like, fuck this shit, man. It, yeah. it didn't work out. Let's go. You're in Phoenix. There's a there's an airport right down the road. Yeah. Just call it death. Put a death. Drive a th- hammer, a nail through it. Just call it over. But of course, no. Clark wants his beloved Wally World. Yeah, and he's like, I think you're all fucked in the head. And I'm like, what? No. <laughs> you're the you're the one because. He's got some deeply repressed issues he needs to go see a therapist for. He does. Because this is, but it's another vacation staple where Clark go snaps on the family and Vegas vac or in Christmas vacation. It's whenever he just everything like he finally gets his bonus and then he just starts going off on everybody in the house. Clark's just an ass. How Beverly D'Angelo didn't divorce his ass in these by the you know the second movie is beyond me. The first movie, shit. And they get to an argue. They get to a hotel and they have an argument where he walks off and meets with Christy Brinkley at the bar. Yeah, and he is being all sorts of creep here. Cheesy eighty garbage ass pickup lines. Like talking about how he's part of the CIA. Yeah. Like, and he owns the motels, and he's just doing inspections. And if for some reason a a boomer dude ever hears this fucking podcast, please tell me if you've ever given a a pickup line about being in the C- CIA. I I, I just want to know. I can't believe that's true. But he does tell tell her he's not married, which she believes. Well, she either believes or she just like goes along with it, and like. Oh, it's the, that's my brother's wife and his kids. They help me blend into the crowd. And wearing a ring, I wear a ring too. It's they get to the pool and she's like, "Let's go skinny dipping, baby." And he's like, "Wait, what now?" Like the entire time I'm seeing this scene, I'm thinking it's got to be a fucking dream because there's no way uh, the girls should be like, "Hey, let's go skinny dipping, Calabunga dude." He starts freaking out because he never expected it to get this far. But the whole time, he's been wanting to do something with Christy Brinkley and throughout yeah. this movie, which implies he's done it before to me. So he jump, uh, jumps in with the socks on, and it's cold as hell water, which somehow wakes up the entire fucking hotel. Yeah, he just starts yelling, cold, cold. Yeah, just over-exaggerating and shit. He gets caught. Yeah, of course he gets caught because he woke up everybody in fucking Phoenix, Arizona. Like, this entire sequence to me is baffling. You get caught cheating on your wife some random-ass chick in the pool, and you try to make some lame-ass excuse about it. That everybody knows is bullshit. And then he realizes he fucked up. And so he goes into the hole back into his actual hotel room. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Before we get to that. So yes, Beverly D'Angelo sees it, gets mad. Walks off. Then he tell. Then he tells Christy Brinkley he can't go through with it. Meanwhile, Anthony Michael Hall has a talk with Clark about things, and Chevy Chase is here excusing what he did. Then he gets in there with Bev, and back in the hotel room. Well, his own son is even like, "Man, you full of shit." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I got. I'll, I'll say it here in a little bit. But go on. You want to talk about the? being in here with uh, his wife. Yeah, like, I don't get this. He goes in there. 
and she's not mad. She's not throwing shit. She's not yelling. She's laying in the bed feeling pity. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, she should have a blade and cut his balls off. Like, that's, that is the natural reaction to this. So I thought this would be the actual, like, end of the movie and this would be the climax the the rift that they would get there and then they get to Waller World and have this whole last time and I was like this is such a fucking stupid of a climax for a movie if this is it like why but I do want to say I think it would be a better ending than what we got <laughs> well two things one this is the better ending that than we were supposed to get that I'll talk about two yeah, she's not mad at all. And for some reason, she, Chevy should have just suggested she join. Because she immediately forgives him. Yeah. Which, there's more to this relationship. They they freaks. They swingers, dude. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Like, does that come up in later movies? or? No, well, that and, you know, she just glossed over the whole fact that, you know, he did this. And then she's like, let's let us go skinny dipping instead. And if you look back at Vegas Vacation, she about to get it on with Wayne Newton in that fucking movie. So again, I think there's some implied swingerism there with them. Or just shitty writing. Oh yeah, that too. Well, yeah, that too. I think it's more likely that way. And so they go they jump in the pool and again they wake they get everybody up in the fucking hotel again. And this time they show the kids and this random ass woman standing next to them. And I want to pull this up just to make sure I'm correct. Because it was a, a bunch of what the fuck. I mean, yeah, like I, for me, as preposterous as a lot of this movie is, this is like this entire hotel scene is like next little preposterous. <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. Why it exists as a scene at all is baffling. It is not a good... It's not good. Oh, no, it was a deleted scene. I will, like, again, at the end of that scene, you see Anthony Michael Hall and the daughter standing next to this woman. And this woman's just out of nowhere. She's just, like, cheesing her on the fucking camera. But there was a deleted scene where Rusty is seduced by a prostitute. Oh, my God. During this whole time. The fuck? Yeah. One sexual rape joke was not enough. We need a second one. And I think the woman that is standing next to him is supposed to be the prostitute. Gotcha. Which is, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of like, uh, the fuck? And so they go skinny dipping and you see Beverly D'Angelo's boobs again. Because she's okay showing them, I guess. I mean, well, of course she is. Yeah, so I think in the original drafts, this whole scene was supposed to be with Rusty. Like, yeah, the pool scene and everything. In the first drafts of this screenplay, Rusty was supposed to be the love interest to Christy Brinkley. So then they changed it. Then they changed it to be Clark. Uh huh. And at the same time, we're gonna have him. Anthony Michael Hall get with a prostitute. Huh. So we have a bunch of what the fuck are you writing here? Oh, yeah. Looking at Wikipedia, it says like Harold Ramos and Chevy Chase rewrote Hughes' first draft to place the story from the father's point of to place the story 
and the view point of the father instead of the son. And so it's like Chevy Chase, like, I want Christy Blinkley, not you. Uh, they also just pretty much dropped the whole daughter has a bunch of weed thing. Well, they do that one scene where she's on the balcony and like uh, the son is like, hey, you're you're high right now. Shut up. Yeah. And that, w- that was the payoff to that joke. Yeah. They arrived to Los Angeles. And I noticed like in the back seat was a board game of Super Simon. Uh-huh. Have you ever played Simon? The lights. Yeah. And Super Simon had like the things on the side and stuff. Wasn't yeah. It? Okay. Yeah. I remember. It's a twist. Pop. They arrived to Wally World. Finally. After there's a quick ass movie too, we haven't even talked about, which was really Six Flags Magic Mountain. But lo and behold, no one's they drive into this parking lot and uh, no one's there. Um, there's no cars coming in or out when they pull up, which should have been assigned to them. You would think there would be a gate, yeah. And this is something I didn't know, like. I don't know how I missed it. I had to go back because when they're standing there and they're standing in front of the park, you see all the park behind them. That's a big giant matte painting. Oh, wow. Because they filmed that in an empty parking lot at a racetrack. Huh. And I was like, that's actually amazing how well that, how well done that was. Uh-huh. And you got Clark here wearing some Magnum PI shorts, very short shorts that i like to wear yeah and then they run to the entrance with the song from chariots on fire come to find out the damn park's closed so they wasted their entire fucking vacation for this bullshit i gotta say this is one of my favorite parts of the movie it's just the shot in freud that fucking clark had to deal with and they're like haha fuck you clark that's what you get for not calling ahead yeah, that, that's what I have here. I was like, Clark, what, didn't bother to call ahead just to make sure or anything? Oh, I had my notes, too, and I was like, Chevy, what are those fucking shorts? Like, why? Also, they have a, there. there's this recording in front, like, telling them, yeah, we're closed. Get the fuck off our property. So Clark has his meltdown, his big meltdown of the movie, like he has in every other fucking movie. Which here, I guess, with it being the first time, it's the most doing it the first time. It's like, oh, wow, doing it in Christmas vacation. It was really good. And the other two times it's like, dude, learn from your mistakes. I don't know what to tell you. And so he he peels the fuck out of that parking lot. And because he's oh, yeah, he's freaking out. He's like, we watch his programs and we buy his toys and we go to his movies. And I can imagine a Disney stand doing this if they ever, you know, closed Disney World without oh yeah, definitely telling anyone. Oh, oh you mean <laughs> pandemic? Yeah. Oh yeah. And then you have Ron DeSantis being like, oh you need to wear, you don't have to wear a mask. You private companies can't tell you what to do on their property. He drives like a bat out of hell though to pull into this gas station. Did you see the price of the gas there in California? Like a dollar, wasn't it? It was dollar twenty-one. And of course, during eighty-three to so, it's like, oh no, the gas is so high. Now it's like a dollar twenty-five. Yes. Oh <laughs> I yes. Get, I will get some fifty-five gallon buckets, drums. And I still remember the last time I paid under a dollar for gas. 
It was like 97 cents. Yeah. I think it was a dollar sixty when I started driving. That's about the lowest it's been. All these people were like, have you seen on social media? I'll tell you, have you seen these gas prices? They're so high. No, I don't buy fucking gas. I don't know that shit. Yeah. Like, I don't have to experience that either. I, I don't have to experience oil companies raising their gas prices 44 fucking percent. Because they want to turn a profit. Yeah. I'm not living a life on this earth, I guess. Kind of like saying people that say, oh, it's so hot today. Why Summertime, why is it so hot? Climate change, you dumbass. But that's not real. That's a government hoax. Yeah. Like everything else is. And he put like, and I looked it up. I had to look it up on maps because it was easily found because he's at the end of Santa Monica Boulevard and, uh-huh. and the Los Angeles area. Yeah, that gas station don't exist no more. It's a restaurant. Is it vacation themed? No. Oh. It's like right there at the beach, which looks really fucking, looks really fucking nice around there. So prime real estate. And he goes to a sporting goods store and then they break into the park. The wife, who is an adult, is an accessory to a crime. It isn't just like, no, I'm not going with you. I'm not that stupid. They pull up to this security guard who is John Candy. Very hilarious, dude. Damn, we lost him way too early in our life. We did. Because about a year after this came out, he that's whenever he blew up. Like, he got super famous. Yeah. Another SCTV alum. Is in Brewster's Millions, Spaceballs, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which we'll be looking at in the future. Uncle Buck, Home Alone. It was also in JFK. A lot of comedians in that movie for it being a ser- as serious as it is. As it is, he had a Saturday morning cartoon. Apparently, I learned that. I never knew that. Called Camp Candy, but. Chevy Chase pulls this gun on him to ride the rides. Come find out the gun is a BB gun. It's not a real gun, which doesn't fucking matter. But anyway. And, and you got a point also that he makes the black guard lay on his back and act like a turtle. I forgot. I, didn't, I forgot about that part. I remember he had the other security guard get down, but then he didn't like tie him up or anything. Yeah. I was like, get down and lay on your back and put your hands and feet up in the air. <laughs> So he for like somehow they're able to get on these rides, which if you know anything about ever been to a theme park, you know that you have to push a button for the ride to go. And they get on what looks to me like if you've ever been on the Screaming Eagle at uh-huh. Six Flags. A good old fashioned wooden roller coaster. Yeah. And in, in real life, they really hated this doing this because they had to ride the ride some like more than once to get the film. Oh, yeah, and them things are rib breakers, those old one ones. Yeah, it made them throw up, get sick. I mean, I used to, I probably can't now in my late 30s, get on the Batman ride at Six Flags St. Louis and ride it constantly. But I used to. I got on it like 10 times in a row when I was a kid. Look, I could probably do the Batman one multiple times in a quick succession. But you put me on that Screaming Eagle, though, after like the second one, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it. No, the one that would really get me uh, at Six Flags St. Louis, they have this right. They have a few wooden roller coasters, which are rougher than other roller coasters, is the boss. 
That shit will give you fucking CTE after one ride. <laughs> yeah. No fucking, you get loopy, like, because it jars you back and forth, like, and I couldn't do that one. Yeah. Screaming Eagle isn't that bad, or wasn't that bad last time I was on it. And meanwhile, like, they're doing all this and having fun. The SWAT pulls up, and they're patting them down when Roy Wally, looking like Walt, Walt Disney's ass, pulls in, which, why is the rich dude showing up? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't get that. And then, like, Clark just snaps on him, and and he's like, oh, you're right. I get it. I traveled with my family one time, too. And you know what? Worst decision ever made. Well, you're free to go. Oh, real quick. This is Eddie Bracken, best known to millennials as Mr. Duncan in Home Alone 2, the toy store owner. Okay. I think I vaguely remember that. Played. A, he's played a lot of rich owners of in different things. Uh, Rookie of the Year as the Cubs owner. Uh-huh. He was also in, in a lot of things. But, I mean, do you notice here everyone is handcuffed but Clark? And the cops are just like, okay. Ignoring the guy who had the gun. And he's explaining everything to Roy, or, you know, kind of. And he's like, hey, Roy, you would do the same thing for your kids, right? And Roy's like, hell no. No, I wouldn't. But he decides not to press charges. And then we wrap this movie up fucking quick. Like, it's... This and then, like, as soon as he said, nope, we get the credits. Yeah. Which is a... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's, you get the postcard ending here as well as, like, you did the opening. Yes, this time, like, you get a photo montage of all the places they went. Like I mentioned earlier, when they were at the uh, open-air cabin campground, there was a bear behind... Or a guy dressed up as a bear behind them, which is actually from a deleted scene. Another one of the photos is taken at the cliff where right after they discovered the ant died. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I laughed at that because I was like, this is directly after they found out, found a dead person and <laughs> tied her to a car. Let's get a picture of the family here, guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and very similar to other vacation movies, which I'll say again, this is where Clark freaks out. And it's resolved so quick, like within minutes. And the rich person takes pity on the man. In Christmas Vacation, it was Brian Doyle Murphy. You're probably right. I'm almost positive I'm right. Yeah, it was. And earlier I said that this was better than the original ending. So originally, he would, Clark got the gun and he goes to Roy. Wally's goes to Eddie Bracken's house and holds him and the family hostage. Similar to Christmas Vacation, where they hold the boss hostage. Come to find out, Christy Brinkley is Roy's daughter and convinces him not to press charges. One more scene. So in the credits, you see a photo of them on a plane. Uh Uh-huh. There was actually a film scene for that. Really? Where they were flying back, but they're on a wrong flight, so Clark hijacks the plane. <laughs> like, this is what they storyboarded, wrote, or they wrote, storyboarded, and filmed. But 
thankfully they listened to a test audience once in the life and said no and so they just did all the reshoots at the park and that's why it looks like it's hastily done you there why are you on your phone my internet dropped <laughs> really so, yeah like literally i was sitting here and like i was about to take a picture because you just had this like like it froze with this goofy ass smile and i was like did Matt want to freak out? Well, it froze with you with your eyes closed. Like, I thought you were just staying there motionless no. while I'm describing this scene. Well, I got to where you said the that he hijacked the plane. Yeah, he hijacked the plane, and that's how it ends. Oh, uh, well, this movie, I'm glad they, uh, let's just say they uh, stuck with the, they made the changes they did because that would have been a horrible movie. And it would have been even drastically more worse because of it. Yeah, but I do want to see it. Yeah. At this point, and at this point, I want to see that that deleted ending. Oh yeah, I can I can bet. Maybe they'll reenact it for the 50th anniversary. But we, you know, we described everything that went on at this park and all that. That was 20 minutes prior to that. Prior to this ending, was Christy Brinkley at the bar. Huh. Yeah, that's how fast this this movie is moving. Yeah, like this movie, it's like we got places to be. I know, but you know what? As fast as this movie moved over ninety minutes, I still do not like it. <laughs> I mean, this after watching this movie, I just didn't find it funny. There were parts like I was talking about. It, I'm like, okay, that I kind of get the gag, but watching it by myself and sitting there and just like, I don't get why this is funny. I don't get why boomer comedy is as it is. There's much better comedy movies I'd rather watch than this. Um, you can go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like his portray the portrayal in this movie of just like it's so fucking dated. Like I guess a lot of the things, the jokes they made didn't fly then, but when you get into 2022, you know, 29 years, yeah, 20, no, 39 years later. Yeah, it's 40 years next year. That. These jokes are just tasteless and bad. Yeah, I I can't imagine some of these landed then either, though, to be honest. Everybody was like, oh, well, there is just woke, just woke media. Is it or is it comedy? I mean, comedy evolves. And if you're still in the same dumbass, transphobic or racist jokes that people may have thought may have thought were funny 20 30 years ago you can't come up with anything new it's kind of like dave Chappelle keeping up with his transphobic jokes now that he was telling in 1996. yeah and it's like dude you can't come up with new material you can't come up with material that people everyone would love it'd be too it'd be too hard then but like i know for a fact i have family members and you probably have family members as well that find every single one of the jokes in this movie fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's just like, uh, Man, you, got, you got family members that think that every joke in Home Improvement is funny, so. Yeah. Well. the Did you have anything else to say, Tad? No, other than this movie is just not. I feel like this, for me, this was the first movie I think we've done that I felt it was wasted time in doing it. You picked it, dude. I know. 
you you went that and I was like, I was looking at the people to do and I was like, well, Chevy Chase, I haven't seen it. And, you know, I'm like, oh, it's supposed to be a classic. And it's not a fucking classic. Well, maybe it is a classic, but it it's a classic for a generation. It's not a classic for me. It's, yeah, dude, this thing was on TBS all the fucking time. Or Comedy Central even. Yeah. You know, maybe getting some of the, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in my 18-year-old that would have maybe found this funny. Funnier, I guess to say, probably the gags most stuck would be then like, oh, but when we come into it fresh eyes for the first time seeing it now, it's just kind of like, oh, that's, that's, that's rough. That's not good. I've never been into this movie. I mean, yeah. parts of it is okay at best. It's not, I, I'm not like, my ab muscles aren't contracting because I've been laughing so hard. Yeah. It, it's definitely not as good as Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation, they look back. They look back at the last two, which was this one in European Vacation, and was like, "Let's take what worked, let's put it in this movie, and now you now they have a classic." Uh-huh. Okay. But the good thing is, you don't have to watch all the vacation movies either. Yeah, they, they can just all be viewed singularly. Yes, and like I mean, we've talked about it. Like my boomer dad went shut the fuck up about this movie when I was a kid. Yeah. And and I, I just have to presume they don't think about the things being said, being implied in this movie. Yeah. Or any any other movies, for that matter. Yeah, or if they do, it's still very much, oh, this was fine when I was 10. Why is it fine now? Because it's not. Time's fucking change. You, the, the reshot ending is better than what I talked about with the original ending. Uh-huh. But you can tell it's reshot, and it was done quickly. Like over a few days, it's like okay, we gotta do this reshoot. We gotta get this movie out. Yeah, um, I can't look it up. This movie came out eighty three. Yeah, so that makes it me think I would be surprised if they went with that. They actually shot that original ending, and then they they viewed it like that and the air the airplane scene, and then they got it back like focus group reviews and are like, oh fuck, this is not doing as we thought it was because you know i think 83 that's not far in 1982 where you have the uh israeli olympians that are taken hostage and killed that was like 78 bro or 80 well that's all i'm saying i mean this is only a couple hours i mean a couple years in the time frame of like in the process of making the movie or the lufthansa airplane hostage crisis Mm. so i mean it could have been a timing issue as well and of course this movie if they would have done an airplane scene, would not have like that entire thing would have been cut after 2011 or 2000 or 9/11. Oh yeah, yeah. You you're not gonna get a airplane hijacking scene in a movie after 9/11. Um, yeah, like ever, unless it's about 9/11. Like uh, like airplane the movie would never happen. Not in that setting. No. No, you won't get it used for humor standpoint. Now, of course, you'll get some Tom Clancy. Well, that's because at the same time they'd be they'd be treating the hijackers like uh, they'd be totally racist about the hijackers. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of problematic spots in this movie, particularly yep. when they go to East St. Louis. Yes, like that is, and basically saying Eddie rapes his daughter. Yeah, that is. Like, holy, f- like, 
holy fuck i i just don't understand how that people think that landed in 1983 because it definitely wasn't la- like that kind of stuff wouldn't land in 1993 yeah and then you see you you see this type of gone from like the blatant racism of say the 30s through the 50s in movies yeah and then you have this like yeah it's racist yeah it's a but we're not but we're not dropping the n-word yeah it's that 80s racist light what i want to call it where it's like it's not racist but we do take pot shots because but it is still racist yes and then like just straight up talking about a a father-daughter relationship like what the fuck and that i'll see do i want to add anything else to it i mean it's shot okay i like some of the music in it yeah but i mean but it's a totally missable movie at the same time those were definitely not enough to warrant a rewatch or even cult status that is acclaimed that is gained so i'm gonna give this the thumbs down yeah that's why i don't get like this shit like this shit it's got a 93 percent on rotten tomatoes because they're boomers and an audience score of 85 percent i don't get it's like oh well i can watch i can I can look over all of this stuff that really brings down the movie. Yeah. Because, because some of the mediocre jokes were better than I thought. I think a lot of that's nostalgia. Maybe. So we both give it a thumbs down. I want to give this a double thumbs down. There's no, no. Like this should be shot into the sun and never be seen again. I mean, I don't want to say that, but I think it, it's definitely you don't have to go out of your way to go watch again if you watch the other vacation movies you've seen this because it's the same format yeah small scenes that all connect around one overarching thing yeah not not a real plot to the movie yeah nothing really tied together like you said it was episodic like I even think some of the better moments in the movie are actually not the scenes themselves, but the, the transition scenes of them in the car. That makes sense. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like I feel like that's the one where they didn't rely on cheap tricks and punching down in a sense to make the comedy work. But I will think this movie for one thing, it led me to discover the IMDB breakdown parents guide uh-huh. of to the movie. So Every movie has a parent's guide on IMDb. So it'll tell you the scenes in which there are nudity or they have sex or, quote, Clark and his wife kiss in several scenes. <laughs> That's right. It also tells you it also tells you where the violence is throughout the movie. Like family is held at gunpoint by a team of police. And then it tells you how, the number of times a, pro, a profanity is used. Oh, so the entirety of the movie. Like, how many times the word shit was used or fuck? Really? Yeah. Well, that's a neat little trick if you got kids and are questioning a movie. Yeah, but it's also a neat little trick if I ever want to look it up just to fucking laugh. Yeah, true. But that that does do it for National Lampoon's Vacation. Yep, and we officially wrap up our six degrees of separation. Yes, we do. So, like I did last time with Action Month, what'd you learn? that throughout the throughout this theme um three miles a fantastic movie and 
you kind of have to dig deep to make this work a little bit. Like just kind of, it was fun picking movies based off the one you picked previously. And this is kind of more of a broader experience. Not so much what I learned, but just kind of like digging in and like, all right, what can I pick that this actor was in to tie these two together, which I think added for a fun experience. It kind of also threw us some curveballs. It's like, I don't I'm just kind of getting from point A to point G E F, you know, EFG somewhere in there. Well, we kind of did start on a high note with Green Mile, and then we kind of went with Cloud Atlas. Then we kind of went with Wolfman. Yeah, I feel like uh, The Hunted is a passable movie, and then we just went. We 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 crashed like the stock market, dude. We did. I enjoy Cloud Atlas and The Hunted. Cloud Atlas more. I enjoy Cloud Atlas more than The Hunted, but I mean, these past two films have been rough. And which Man of the House was, well, I would watch Man of the House five times before I'd watch this movie once more. <laughs> Damn, I can't believe how much you hate this. Dude, it's just, I mean, it's not good, but I, I'm just like. This did nothing for him. Like, I was like, I feel like I wasted 90 minutes watching this movie. It's just. Well, I I like the, the way we did it, you know, going back and forth through different movies. Yeah. And through different actors. Even if it wasn't the main ones, I do. I, I would like to do it again sometime. Maybe not with six, like just maybe not six degrees. Yeah, four degrees or whatever. Like, yeah, do an entire year of it. But despite it going down south as bad as it bad as it did, we are picking it back. We are going to pick it back up. We are for at least for the next uh, theme. It is Matt. What are we doing? Well, it is a short theme because we did Six Degrees of Separation. So we did six movies there that put us in a month and a half. So we had to do something to fill in the gap. And we are going to look at two very classic movies, two movies that are considered some of the best ever made. We are going to look at Grandfather, or God damn it. (laughs) Grandfather. Yeah, we're going to look at Grandfather 1 and 2. <laughs> we should leave this in for posterity's sake. We we will be looking at The Godfather Part 1 and then Part 2. Yeah, which I've never seen, though, so this will be a new experience for me on both of them. So it'll be interesting to see. I've been meaning to watch them for a while, but just never gotten around to it. So. Well, now's your chance, and they're... Very good, and you will enjoy them, I think. Good. Looking forward to it. I've already watched them like twice this year, so. Okay. Well, we'll see how it goes. Well, that does it for the 35 Millimeter Podcast this week. I've been Matt. I am most of the time Tracy. And if you like our stuff, tell us. Let us know. Yeah. Tune in. We love you. Those are fun. We love you. Have a good one. Stay safe. All right. Be good.